Hi, you're listening to The Dive, brought to you by Living Word Press, starting right now. Hi, welcome back to The Dive. Uh, I'm here with Dr. Josh Wallman, Dr. Gary Yates. It's good to have you guys as always. Uh, this this week, the question is, how tall was the Tower of Babel? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, what, what was the Tower of Babel? What was uh, the significance? Uh, Dad, I'll throw it to you this week. Okay. Well, it's interesting that you say that because when I was a kid and you know read this story or heard it in Sunday school, I always assumed that, uh, yeah, it was a skyscraper. And when they got to the 200th floor, they got a little too close to the sun or something <laughs> like that. And God said, that's enough. It's the biblical Icarus, you know, yeah, got yeah. too close to God. Yeah, it violated the uh, heavenly building code and that sort of thing. <laughs> right. But, I, uh, the, you know, the, actually the reality is, is that um, what is happening in the, you know, the story of Babel is another example of human rebellion against God. And from the fall in Genesis chapter 3, beginning with, you know, Adam wanting to be like God, we have these examples of people wanting to be like God. So Cain wants to be like God. I can take life. Uh, Lamech wants to be like God. I can make up my own rules about marriage. The sons of God and daughters of men, they're trying to create some sort of divine race and that sort of thing. So I think what this reflects is, is that even after the flood, humans are still trying to be like God. And they're, they're building this uh, city and, and attempting, I think, to establish a rival kingdom against God. And in chapter 11, verse 3, they say, uh, we will make a name for ourselves, and then this tower, uh, you know, signifying, uh, you know, they're exalting their own gods and their own religion. Yeah, so. Yeah, so, so the tower itself, it, it's not so much about the architecture. It's it's really a religious sort of uh, building, right? It, it, it's intended to manipulate the false gods that they were trying to you know, swing in their favor. Is that correct? Yeah, it seems like uh, this represents uh, a fairly common religious structure in Mesopotamia, the, the ziggurat, mm -hmm. which was sort of, it looks a little bit like a pyramid, but it was, uh, you know, adjacent to a temple and it was viewed as, as basically a meeting place between heaven and earth. And there was even a little, you know, bed and breakfast for the God to come down and meet with them. And and, and they thought as they provided for the gods and met their needs and, and you know, manipulated them into doing what they wanted, that that was a way that they would secure the blessing uh, you know, of deity and the supernatural power. They're going outside of God and, and I think really creating uh, gods in their own image rather than serving the Lord who had created them in his image. Right. And, you know, one of the things that I think maybe makes Baptists a little uncomfortable sometimes is this recognition that there are supernatural forces afoot that are not of God and that there are demonic structures and things like that. And so when we talk about false gods and giving our worship, or in the case of, of Babel, um, that you've got a civilization even that has decided that they're trying to manipulate and, and to, um, you know, uh, bring praise even to this other, to these other deities. Are there deities there? Is there something to this? Yeah, I, I think that these are not just mythological gods that people sat around the fire and created, but they represent genuine spiritual power, demonic forces. Um, and, and obviously, we're not talking about polytheism, right? Uh, because the Lord uh, is in a category all his own. He's the only eternal, sovereign, self-existent creator God. Uh, but these gods represent spiritual powers that have rebelled against God. And, and uh, so now what you have are you have really kind of the joining of forces between human rebels uh, 
uh, and, and these supernatural uh, rebels against God as well. Right. It seems like the Old Testament paints a picture of sin you know, that, that sort of runs in the face of maybe some common misnomers that, that sin is just a matter of breaking the law and not doing what you were told. But like there's this picture that, in fact, it, it has this air of rebellion and a desire to just kind of throw a middle finger up to God. Yeah, we can we can create our own system, our own gods. We don't have to follow the moral dictates of, uh, you know, the, uh, the the true God, and and still get the blessing and the benefit and uh, the supernatural power that goes along with that. I, I think what's interesting is like they built these ziggurats as a way of trying to get the gods to come down and bless them, but chapter eleven verse five in Genesis says that the Lord came down in response to what they had done. And he, he's not coming to bless. Uh, and and uh, he's, he's an unexpected guest uh, showing up to bring judgment because of this, uh, of this rebellion that's taken place. Well, and part of this, too, is we're not talking about an isolated event. This is representative of, of humanity in, in a sense, right? This is collective civilizational-level rebellion against the God who made them right. in favor of these other false gods. Yeah, and we've had that rebellion before the flood. Uh, God wipes everything clean, starts over. We have kind of a new creation, but really the problem of human sin and rebellion continues, and the Lord deals with this. Uh, you know, I think one last thing that just to talk about a little bit is that the Lord deals with this in a very significant way. If we turn over to Deuteronomy 32, verses uh, 8 and 9, and there's a, there's, there's a couple of different readings of this passage, but one of the readings says that, God chose Israel uh, as his uh, inheritance, and they were his special people. But it says he uh, divided the nations according to the number of the sons of God, these powerful spiritual beings. And so what it seems like is happening is that these people say, hey, we want to follow our own gods and, uh, and, and give our loyalty and devotion to them. And God basically punishes sin with sin, gives them over to these gods who will now control them and have power over them, Instead of them manipulating these gods, these gods will manipulate them, and they will continue to promote human rebellion, uh, sinfulness, wickedness, injustice, uh, that will ultimately bring even greater judgment from God. And this becomes the basis for spiritual warfare that we see even in the New Testament. Yeah, and, and Babel kind of becomes headquarters right, uh, of opposition against God and God's kingdom. It's there in Genesis uh, Babylon is the one that destroys Jerusalem and the temple later in the Old Testament. And, you know, guess who shows up in the book of Revelation as the final? Uh, it's, it's Babylon the Great. That's right. So this is, a, this is something that's going to, you know, this is an ongoing battle. This supernatural battle uh, is something that will continue through the rest of Scripture. Wow. So that's good. So our architects, our engineers, they don't have to worry about hitting a, a certain floor before everything comes, comes crashing yeah, down? Probably not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Guys, thank you for joining us back on the dive. Uh, if there's a thumbs up button down there, go ahead and press it. Subscribe, do all those things. Uh, and if you have a question, find us on Twitter and it's at LW Press. And give us a question and we'll have one of these guys uh, answer it in a future episode. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.